0: Even though APIs, or Application Programming Interfaces, seem to be on the minds of virtually all players in the financial services industry these days, it's not uncommon to hear even the most seasoned banking professionals state they don't fully understand the many roles APIs play. That's true.
1: Fortunately, a recent report from financial research and consulting firm, Celent, entitled The Non-Technical Executive's Guide to APIs, gave a brilliant analogy to describe them. A restaurant. It goes like this. A patron walks into a restaurant and places an order with a waiter, who then passes the order to the cook. In this case, the waiter is the API, which allows two systems, in this case the patron and the cook, to
0: communicate. Well, that was a pretty easy description to get the ball rolling. But I have the feeling that most of us might require a little more information for true understanding of APIs. So, at CSI's recent customer conference, CX19, we sat down for a second time with Patricia Hines, head of corporate banking for Salent, and discussed the four primary API use cases, their audiences, and what's on the near horizon for APIs. We asked Patty about the most common API value prop, integration, and she said,
2: So if you think about it in the back office, You might have some legacy code. Maybe it's a commercial loan system or the checking account system. So we're starting to see these lightweight APIs connect traditional batch-based systems with real-time customer-facing things.
1: I'm
0: Andy Goldstein.
1: And I'm Laura Sewell. We're excited to bring you another episode in our Fintech Focus CX-19 podcast series recorded live from the event in Chicago. You're listening to Fintech Focus from CSI. Joining us now on FinTech Focus is Patty Hines, uh, another friend of the pod. Absolutely. Patty is head of corporate banking for Selent, which is an analyst firm focused on financial services technology. Patty, thanks for coming on the show again. Well, thank you for asking Good me to again. Have you back. To start us off, can you give us your 10 second description of an API? What is it?
2: Sure. So, for those new to APIs, let's start with a definition API stands for Application Programming Interface. At its simplest, it's a piece of software code that helps two disparate systems or applications talk to one another.
1: So APIs, they've actually been around for a long time, since around the 1990s in some shape or form. What you're talking about now as the latest iteration is a format called REST, also known as Web APIs. What can you tell us about that? What what will they enable now?
2: So REST APIs are considered to be lightweight and really, really good for fast performance, reliability, and reuse of components. So, their use is growing exponentially as developers use them, especially for mobile connectivity. Mm-hmm. If you think about FinTechs, if you think about your mobile apps, um, you know, like how Uber leverages Google Maps for navigation, and it connects to all different kinds of payment APIs that provide riders with a choice of payment methods.
0: So, in, in, uh, in your sessions here at CX19, you are presenting four different API value propositions based according on the, on the audiences of those. Your use case that seems particularly customer facing are the APIs for connectivity. Uh, can you tell us what that means and um, fill us in on some of the, uh, the benefits that the APIs for connectivity provides to banks and their customers?
2: So for a long time, banks have offered services like personal financial management, right? Right. Like I'm a Quicken user. But when Quicken connects to my bank, they can really pull any data they want, right? They've got access. They're logged in as as me. Sure. So now we're starting to see connectivity move to APIs. And APIs are kind of special because they can really limit what can be pulled back. I can say you can only pull 30 days of checking data. So we're really seeing them take off for commercial customers. right? They have lots of accounts. They have lots of transactions. And APIs are real time. So they're able to use them to get updated uh, balances, transactions, did a wire clear but only if their banks can also support that real-time connectivity.
0: Let's dive into some of the other three value props that you're presenting. Tell us, uh, that was a great definition of the connectivity. Kind of break, us down, break down the other 3 for us like that, if you would.
2: Well, the most common one, and think, something that's happening at most every bank, Our APIs for integration. So if you think about in the back office, you might have some legacy code. Maybe it's a commercial loan system or the checking account system. Right. So it's really hard to get them to talk to some of the newer things. Maybe it's a CRM system. Maybe it is the bank's mobile app. So we're starting to see these lightweight APIs connect traditional batch-based systems with real-time customer-facing things, again, like uh, it could be the teller system, it could be the call center. So that's really, really uh, an easy way to connect. Um, Something that's a little bit harder to understand is banking as a platform. So here we're seeing new banks mostly act as a banking platform, a modular, Uh, pieces and parts so we're seeing these new digital only banks connect to one of these platform banks Mm -hmm. and the platform bank has a banking license so the neo bank the digital only bank is actually taking advantage not only just the technology but the regulatory expertise and the banking license of that platform bank Um, and the most widely discussed are what I call api's for innovation Um, And this is where you're seeing the fintechs take off. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of it's being required by regulation. We see Europe with PSD2 and the UK um, with their open banking regulations. And so we're seeing a lot of registered third parties using APIs at banks um, to create new uh, products and services. Now, here in the U.S., uh, many banks are taking a market-driven approach. They're choosing to open up APIs and create innovative new services, largely in partnerships uh, with fintechs.
0: I want to touch on that for a second. You, uh, you just said that banks are sort of choosing to open up APIs, taking a market-based approach. I, I want to go back to a previous value prop on the APIs for integration. It seems to me with the, the rapid evolution of technology that APIs for integration are kind of a necessity, almost a requirement that it's no longer an option just to do it. As, as banks update their systems, if they're not able to update legacy systems maybe as quickly as they would like, it seems like that's a very important API to incorporate into their systems to be able to get the old systems to talk to the new just to keep up with technology. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I would absolutely say that. um, I mean, we had a model bank uh, winner this year that is doing what they call strangling out legacy. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, that's. that's There's other nicer ways.
2: There's nicer ways of putting it. (laughs) Um, But the idea is that they're actually taking logic out of their core banking system and putting it into these lightweight apps and microservices. Mm -hmm. And I saw one of your slides yesterday that you're doing, uh, taking a microservices approach as well, Mm -hmm. and bundling microservices together to create APIs like get customer or, um, you know, initiating payments.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically simple REST commands, right?
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So it's a way, uh, is it correct to say, uh, it's a way for banks to get a little bit more mileage a couple more years out of their legacy systems?
2: Yeah, I would say that that is true. And, and, and frankly, a lot of the biggest banks, they're never gonna replace their core. Um, yeah. That's gonna continue to run on the mainframe. But again, since it's so difficult to get you know, an opening, I was a product manager years ago and they wouldn't give me a wire interface for small business, right? They're so afraid of touching these big core systems that if you create an API that everyone can leverage within the bank, then it's very, very easy to add on uh, systems to connect with those back offices.
1: You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're discussing API use cases and the future of APIs with Patty Hines, head of corporate banking for Salent, in a conversation recorded live at CSI's CX-19 in Chicago.
0: There seems to be, uh, as we mentioned, I think we were in our discussion with Keith Monson talking about the European banking system versus the American banking system. And it it seems like Europe has sort of been a little ahead of the game in incorporating APIs into their banking systems. But they also don't have 5,000 community banks in Europe, right? It's mostly a few megabanks that kind of touch everything. Is there, is there a difference between the way that they incorporate APIs over there and the way that they regulate them versus how they're incorporated and, and regulated in this country?
2: Well, there's a surprisingly large number of banks in Europe, and there's many, many small savings associations, and there's farm lenders. Okay. So one of the things that's been popping up uh, recently is uh, some of the smaller countries are taking a country-level approach. Hmm. So Luxembourg has, has a, they call it LuxHub, Hub. Right. So they have actually created and, and are managing on behalf of all their banks, a single hub that the small banks can then use. So it's uh, kind of interesting, interesting because again, out of necessity, those small banks just can't do it themselves. So that we're seeing some of this, but as you say, the big banks have, are going it alone. Um, but even there, it's kind of interesting because uh, Deutsche bank, for instance, has a PSD two portal and then they have a market driven portal for the API's that they want to offer. So it's, it's kind of interesting that we're seeing a bifurcation there.
0: I might need a little clarification on the difference there. Explain the difference between PS2 and...
2: Sure. So PSD2 is, is a payment services directive. And as part of that, they said that banks have to open up APIs for account information and payment initiation. Okay. But they're using sort of different um, security measures. The, the security, there's a two-factor security required. Mm-hmm. And some banks actually prefer a different type of security method. So they have to do what has been regulated. Sure, but they don't prefer that. So for, who does? So yeah, exactly. So for maybe for corporate banking APIs that need to be much more stringent and uh, very very complicated, they're actually creating a separate portal for those types That's of APIs. That's Patty, you
1: touched earlier a, a bit on the the mutual benefits between banks and fintechs uh, who who work with APIs together, these API partnerships. Can you go over some of the benefits for each, the benefits for banks and the ba- the benefits for fintechs?
2: Well, it is pretty interesting and we're seeing more and more partnership announcements. Um, really almost every day you're seeing that. So a couple things here. So the bank doesn't have to build something that maybe they're not a specialist in. Absolutely. Maybe it's accounts receivable, payables, mm-hmm. um, liquidity management. So the fintech is really good at that. Yes. But so. The bank gets access to those innovative services, and the fintech firms gets access to the bank's customer reach, their distribution scale, investment funding, and regulatory know-how.
1: Absolutely. One uh, one aspect of APIs that, that – th- something that's occurred to me, and we've spoken previously uh, about this, but I think it's worth bringing up again, is – the security of APIs. What do you tell financial institutions who immediately think, well, you're plugging two systems together. Um, are, there, are, there, are there blips in that uh, connection? Are, are there any security issues? What do you say to that?
2: So a couple things in, in the presentation that I'm giving here uh, at your conference. I mean, the idea of, we've had financial APIs for probably 10 years, right? PayPal started in 2009. Um, And I don't want to tempt anyone, but we don't see a lot of breaches in APIs. In the security, there's very standard security protocols, much like you have safeguards um, from a bank accessing a website. So, uh, so far, so good. And uh, there's continual enhancements to those security safeguards.
0: APIs, as you just said, have have been around in the financial space for about 10 years. is, is there what do, what are you seeing at 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 Solent in regard to the future of APIs? How do you think APIs will will shape and evolve over the next decade?
2: Well, right now it's a uh, you know sort of a single message. I need something, and the bank responds. Uh, we have one bank client that's looking at streaming APIs, which is kind of crazy, right? So the data just continually flows. I'm not sure how it all works. <laughs> um, but that is the next step. And, and, the, and the bank that was our uh, integration winner this year at, at our model bank awards, they're actually looking at this thing called a service mesh. Um, so data continues to stream. And those are what things like, you know, so Netflix, right? So think about what they are doing. They're streaming video and, and that's just a different type of API, so who knows what's gonna happen with them.
0: We're going to have to have Patty back on for a third time to talk about that. We absolutely will. The, the, the regulation that must go around there. And I'm sure, as you said, this is sort of future stuff. It, it, it can't be all flushed out yet. This seems kind of pie in the sky. But, I mean, as as uh, as consumer demands change, as, as the way that they, they bank continues to change, uh, we just heard from Rebecca Romero Rainey about the digital generation mm-hmm. made me feel incredibly old. She mentioned the uh, you know remembering iPods. I'm like, yeah, you I, I kind of still use an iPod. Like, I still have my classic iPod. But uh, yeah, I mean, as as the uh, demands change, it's APIs they're a game changer. And I think if if banks kind of aren't a- on board with those now, they're going to have to be. Uh, you mentioned banking as a platform that is a that is a whole new almost a whole new ethos, and, and a lot of banks are kind of taking that on. So. We appreciate you sitting down with us and talking about it. I, Lauren, I reserve the right to call you again. <laughs> okay. So hopefully your folks at Seller are okay I think this is going to okay be a long,
1: continuing story with APIs. So Absolutely. there's always going to be something new to talk about. Absolutely. Great. Patty,
0: thank you again for joining us. It's always great to talk to you.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you, Patty.
1: That's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to CELENT's Patty Hines for joining us, and thanks to all of you for listening. You can check out Patty's recent report, The Non-Technical Executives Guide to APIs, by heading over to CELENT.com. That's C-E-L-E-N-T.
0: We recorded lots of episodes live at CX19. We have a few more coming up and several that we've already released. You can find those episodes on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. Talk to you soon.